Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here this morning. As a believer, I have to come to the mindset and the understanding that uh, what we believe is based on the Word of God. It is not based on my opinion or denominationalism. It's not based on someone else's opinion or what someone else might think or even a family member or current culture. But I have to believe the Word of God. How many of you are with me on that? The Word of God is the ultimate. Uh, It's not the preacher's uh, thoughts. It's not the preacher's opinion. It's thus saith the Word of God. So what what we know about... uh, The God that we serve, the Godhead is made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for about a month. And so we want to continue on that. And uh, this is the direction I'd like to take us this morning. And I feel like it's the direction we should go. How do we know that we are filled with and baptized by the Holy Spirit? Um, What are the signs and the evidence that we are filled with the Holy Spirit? This morning I want to give you five uh, evidences or five ways that we might know. And uh, realizing that many of us have not been taught or we haven't been raised in understanding some of these things. And sometimes we get into controversial uh, discussions about the Holy Spirit with people. And sometimes people say, well, Mike, I don't believe what you believe. And I said, well, you know, really, uh, I kind of believe what you believe, except I just believe more of it. (laughs) I mean, what I'm talking about. I just believe more of the Word of God than you do. How do you know we need the whole counsel of God? So uh, this morning in the early service, uh, there was a lady sitting here to my left about uh, a fourth of the way back, and her name is Billy Joe. And Billy Joe was raised in a church that I was raised in uh, until I was in junior high. And uh, we hadn't heard much about the Holy Spirit. And then we began to, you know, be exposed to and taught uh, the Holy Spirit. And, and I remember uh, my wife being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we began, and, and I thought about this a lot, Mary and Randy, you'll understand this. We were in a little church, about 30, 40, 50 people at the most. And, and there, there became a shift in that church. And the church began to grow. And one of the reasons I believe the church began to grow is there were some college students that began to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the dynamics of that really turned out to be an awesome, awesome thing, not only individually, and it's always awesome individually, but it began to be awesome in the, the context of the corporate worship and the outreach of the church. And uh, I'm so grateful today that some of the elders in the church today were uh, young people in my uh, youth group. And that makes me feel really old. <laughs> but the, the evidence is really there if you look in scripture. So Billy Joe, she, she was in the college uh, uh, scene at that time. And my life was trying to get straightened out. And I was a heathen. Um, don't look at me so rough. Uh, you were a heathen too. So our lives began to change, and, and Billy Joe, she said something to me like this. She said, you know, I, I just don't understand the, the baptism or the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we're, we're at our house, and we lived in a little trailer house. And how many of you know if you live in a little bitty trailer house, you don't have to know what anybody else is doing in the house? 
you know where they're at, what they're doing, because it's so small, you can hear everything. And so we're in a little bitty trader house, and so there's a few of us there that night, and we began to pray. And, and Billy Joe said, well, I just don't understand that. I don't know anything about it. So we talked about it. And I said, let's pray. So she knelt at an old brown recliner that we had recovered, and I'm kneeling at the couch, Carrie's somewhere else, and there's probably two or three other of us there. And uh, th- this, this is very intimate. It's very small, because our living room, you could, you could lay in the floor, and your head could touch the, the couch, and your feet would be against the wall on the other side of the living room. Uh, that's how intimate that was. And so we began to pray, and all of a sudden, I noticed that Billy Joe began to pray in a language that I did not understand. And it shocked me. And I looked at her like, and she turned and looked at me like, what is happening to me? And so the thing that we were, uh, you know, discussing and the person of the Holy Spirit as we began to, you know, talk about Scripture, then all of a sudden she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we saw others, you know, begin to be filled and filled and filled. And so there are some evidences that the Bible talks about. So let me, let me preface this this morning by saying this. This is not my opinion. What I want to do is take you through five evidences, and I want to do it in almost the exact order that it appears in Scripture. So if you have a pencil and paper, I want you to get it out this morning, because I think this is paramount for your life and my life. Whether you are new today or you've been here for 20, 30 years, it makes no difference. This is paramount for the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. So Acts 2, Acts 1, Jesus talks about the promise of the Father, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So Acts 2, day of Pentecost fully comes. They're in one mind, one accord. They're in the upper room. They're gathered there waiting for the promise of the Father. Then all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house of the upper room where they were sitting. Cloven tongues like as a fire appeared upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say all. So this is the place where the disciples are gathered, and the first evidence we have here in this chapter is the evidence of tongues. So they began to speak in languages that they did not know. Verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke with tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave utterance or enabled them to speak. Now about 15 different languages that are referenced in Acts chapter 2, verses about 9 through 11. So there are... Jewish people, there are proselytes, there are people who have gathered from all over that that known world at that time to come for the Feast of Pentecost. And as the Holy Spirit filled those 120 believers in the upper room, it didn't stay in the upper room, they went out to the streets and many of those pilgrims or those worshipers that are there for the Feast of Pentecost, they heard them speak with other tongues, praise God, magnify God in their own language and they knew that they did not know all of those languages. So 15 different languages that we know of that are recorded here in Acts chapter 2. Now, the next time we have reference here, uh, reference here is in, in, excuse me, in Acts chapter 10. Now, there's other places like in Acts 8 where they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't specifically say that they spoke in tongues, but we do know something supernatural happened because Simon the sorcerer said, I want this power. He saw something, he heard something. Say that with me. He saw something, he heard something. It's not reference, but we know something happened in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But in Acts 10... We have the account of Cornelius the centurion of the Italian band. Now this is important because it's the Italian band. This guy's not a Jew. He is uh, a Gentile. So this is the first reference in scripture we have of a Gentile not only getting saved but filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So this guy is a Gentile centurion soldier for Rome, but he's a good man. He's moral. Now understand this. You cannot be moral enough to get to heaven. I deserve a better amen than that. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. The only way you get to heaven is by Jesus. Now, you've heard people say, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. You know, I don't do this. I don't, you know, I don't commit adultery. I don't drink. I don't chew. Don't go out with girls that do whatever they say. But you can't be good enough to make heaven. You have to have Jesus to get to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me or through me. So here's a good man, moral man, who, who gives, he gives alms, he, 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 you know, he's trying to search for God. So God works on both ends. An angel appears to Cornelius, go call for Simon Peter's, at, at, at Simon Tanner's house at Joppa. God's working on Peter on the other end. How many of you know God will work on both ends? Peter goes to the household of Cornelius. He begins to preach the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to catch this, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision, or the Jews who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. So Peter's not by himself, there's other Jewish men with him, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So there was a a, a visible, literal evidence for their infilling. Now, these Jewish men who are with Peter, and I think Peter too, they're all astonished, but God had been preparing Peter. What I have cleansed don't call common or unclean. How many of you know what I'm saying here? And now Peter is there, and while they heard the word, while they heard the good news, the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, they were filled with the Holy Spirit with this evidence. Now, it's interesting, they hadn't even been baptized yet. They're going to get baptized, the scripture tells that, but they're infilled even before they're baptized, but not before they believe and they repent and receive Jesus. I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit will not come in in a, a dirty vessel. So they're filled with the Holy Spirit. The next account is in Acts chapter 19. Uh, we have other references, but I'm just going to give you a few this morning. Acts 19, these are the Ephesian believers that had been baptized by John the Baptist. Verse 5, when they had heard this. Now, what did they hear? Well, Paul is going through the upper coast of Ephesus. He found certain disciples that were believers that had been baptized by John. But he said, how were you baptized? And, and he said, have, ha, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know what they said? We hadn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. We don't anything about the Holy Spirit. Sounds like a lot of church people I know. Okay, I'll, I'll preach to this group over here. They said, how, how, he said, how were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. And he said, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. You should believe on him which should come after him. And he's talking about Jesus. So verse number uh, uh, 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. Now, this is not something that God just sprung on us. Matter of fact, in Acts 1, he said, this is the promise of the Father. If I go all the way back to Isaiah 28, and many of you know this, verse 11 and 12, for with stammering lips and another tongue I will speak to this people. 
to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. They would not hear. Now, the Lord is talking about the rest, the comfort that's going to come to us by the Holy Spirit. And he says, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Matter of fact, Stephen even refers to this as he's dying in his rebuttal or his witness in Acts chapter 7, I believe it is. He says, you have resisted the Holy Spirit just like your fathers did. Now, he's referring to God made a promise of the Holy Spirit, but he said, you've resisted the Holy Spirit. How many of you know you can grieve the Holy Spirit, you can deny the Holy Spirit, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you can resist the Holy Spirit, or you can receive and yield to the Holy Spirit. And we ought to be receiving and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Listen, we do not need a dry, milk toast religion. We need an experience with Almighty God. We don't want to come in here and just feel like we went through motions. I want to feel something. I want to feel the presence of God and the power of God when I come to worship God. And I think you do too. So, this is the first initial evidence. Here's the second one. There's an infusion of power. There's an infusion of power. Say that with me. There's an infusion of power. Acts 1. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Even though the Holy Spirit didn't fall and infill until Acts 2, Jesus said this is what's going to happen to you when you receive the Holy Spirit. Now the word here, power, is the word Dunamis. It is, uh, it is written D-Y-N-A-M-I-S, but it's pronounced dunamis. It's a Greek word, definition meaning strength, power, and ability. Now, do you see something about the first part of that uh, word that we have today, dunamis, dynamite? I anybody see the connection there, dynamite? Dynamite's pretty powerful. I, I shared this in the early service. My dad was born in the, uh, the Great Depression. And uh, I tell Carrie every time the, uh, the movie, The Grapes of Wrath, comes on, I, I say, you're going to have to switch that off. She says, why? I said, that's my family right there. The Jode family is my family because, uh, you know, they, they were very poor and uh, they were very transient. They, they went during kind of the Dust Bowl, they went to California to pick fruit. Um, and uh, they got out there. They lived in a tent by an irrigation ditch, drank water from the ditch. The police would come, run them off. They'd just go further down, pitch the tent, and, and live there, pick fruit, do, do things and crops. And then they wanted to get back to Oklahoma, so they went through Arizona. They had to work their way back home. And Dad said that he and Kenneth and Bill worked at a rock quarry in Arizona, and they were just teenagers. I think Kenneth might have been maybe 14, 15. Bill was probably 12. That, that means Dad was probably maybe maybe 11, and this is what they did. They gave them dynamite and blasting caps, and they went out and they blew up rock and loaded it up on a truck and, and a cart. Who in their right mind gives three teenage kids dynamite and blasting caps? How many you know we live in a different world today? You know, we, we, we give them something else. But anyway, that's kind of the, the root word, 
this, this, this strength, this power, this, this dunamis here, it appears 120 times in the New Testament. 77 times it's translated power. 11 times it's translated mighty works or works. 7 times strength, 7 times miracle. It's also translated might, mighty, and virtue. Now here's an interesting note. And as I studied and I looked at this, th this is a nugget for you today. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to get this. The first time, the first mention of this word in the New Testament is found in a very odd place to me. It's found in Matthew 6, verse number 13. The Lord's Prayer. It's the first time this word used for the power of the Holy Spirit is found in your Bible. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and glory forever. The word power is the same word that Jesus uses for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the word dunamis here. Now, so let me tell you why I think this is kind of odd for me. Uh, he, God, has the dunamis or the power. Now, notice what he says. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. But guess what he did? He turns around and he gives you the kingdom and the power and the glory. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the keys of the kingdom. He wants to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you his glory in your life. He wants to give you power. Can I hear an amen? He's given that to us. It is a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ephesians 3, Paul picks this up again. Verse 14 through 16, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might. Look at the word might. It's the word dunamis again. It's the same word that is used for the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit coming into your life, what? It's powerful. So he says that he might strengthen you with might or dunamis through his spirit in the inner man. Now listen, where do we get the power? By the Holy Spirit, where? In your inner man. You are filled with, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we need power for? Well, I'll, I'll give you a little hint on that. We need power to serve. We need power to walk in the Spirit. We need power to walk in faith. We need power to overcome the wicked one. We need power to overcome our addictions and our sins and, and our faults and our failures and our past, right? So we need that kind of power. We need power to stay away from a sinful life. I, I mean, I need that kind of power. How, how many of you need that kind of power? We all need that kind of power. When uh, I was sharing with the, uh, the first service this morning, and I've shared it with several of you, and some of you had not heard the story, but uh, many, many years ago, I was asked to do a series of services in Wichita, Kansas. And um, so I'm driving up on a Saturday. I have a hotel room for that Saturday night. It's in the fall, so it's getting dark earlier. It's misty, it's raining, it's a little cool, a little foggy. And, and I get to Wichita, Kansas, and I'm headed to my hotel, and there's road construction. How, how many of you love to be in a new place, not familiar with the roads, and there's road construction? And it's rainy, it's misty, it's getting dark, and, and I'm trying to navigate my way through. 
And evidently, and I'm not saying I'm not guilty, I probably am, I cut this guy off in traffic. And he didn't like it. And he told me I was number one. And he pulled alongside of me for a long time. He rolled his window down, and he just let me have it. I mean, he's calling me every name in the book. He, he's shaking his fist at me. He, he's hollering at me. And, uh, and I, I'm just, you know, you just try to do your best. You go on. He wouldn't let it go. He just kept driving alongside of me. So after a long time, I rolled my window down the other side. And, and I know you, you, you're holding it. I'm not. And I rolled my window down the other side. I said, fella, if you'll pull this over, we'll take care of this right now. I'm going to go preach. <laughs> but that's a true story. I said, hey, if you'll pull this over, we'll take care of this right now. I've heard all of you I want to hear. Pull this thing over. I'll get out. Well, he just sped off. Chicken. No. <laughs> So I get to the hotel that night, and let me tell you something else the Holy Spirit will do in your life. The Holy Spirit will convince us of our sin. Not condemn us in our sin, but convince us of our sin. So I get there that night, and I'm thinking, Mike, what are you doing? I mean, what, what are you doing? You're here to preach, and you're having a confrontation. It's, you, you got road rage. <laughs> I didn't have road rage. I was just going to answer the rage. I was going to be a cure for the rage. Maybe not, but anyway, that night I'm thinking, what are you doing? And let me tell you what crossed my mind. I thought, I hope this guy doesn't show up in the church I'm fixing to preach. The next morning he goes, hey, that's the guy who threatened me last night. But listen, everybody here, we have no perfect people here. If you're perfect, come and touch me after service. But there's no perfect people here. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to overcome our inadequacies, our sins, our faults, our failures, to come alongside of us and rise up within us to say, Mike, this is not the way you should walk. Don't walk in the flesh. Walk in the spirit. So we need power to do that. If you could do that on your own, you would not need the power of the Holy Spirit. But listen, heads up here, you cannot do that on your own. You need a helper. And I need a helper. And I need the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life. Here's the third thing. A holy boldness comes upon us. A holy boldness comes upon us. Listen, folks, this is not my opinion. This is the Word of God. Listen to Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. They were together, shaking, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Say that with me. With boldness. Say it again. With boldness. There's something here that, that I believe God wants us to see. Now, this is what you know. Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts. And this is what we believe, and I think you believe this also, that holy men of old were moved on by the Holy Spirit to write the Word of God. So this is what the Holy Spirit wants us to know about the Holy Spirit. This is what Dr. Luke wants us to know about the Holy Spirit. There is a difference when we operate in the Holy Spirit. There is a holy boldness that can come upon your life. And the prime example, and it's very clear here, I think it's very vivid here, is Peter. 
Peter, Acts 2, verse 14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice, addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words. So here's Peter, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, they leave the upper room, they're speaking in tongues, they're magnifying God, and they're wondering what's going on. And of all people who stood up that day and addressed all of the city, it's Peter. Why is this important? Because just a few days ago, he could not stand up in the courtyard of the palace of the high priest in front of a little girl to say, I'm a disciple. A few days before, he denied even knowing Jesus three times. You know the story. Jesus said, some of you are going to deny me this night and guess what Peter said I love this Peter said they may do it but I'd never do it you know what Jesus said he said Peter he said before the night's over you're going to deny me three times before the crow the cock crows in the morning and Peter couldn't believe he'd do that that night he denied even knowing Jesus and cursed the third time. I don't know the man. Do you see a change here? Acts 2, now Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. As the chapter goes on and they want to know what's going on here, he stands up and he doesn't just address a little girl in a courtyard. He stands before the entire city and he proclaims and preaches Jesus Christ and 3,000 people are saved, the boldness of Peter. Acts 4, 8, and 9. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. You see how this is constructed here? Why does the Bible not say, And Peter said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we be examined today concerning the good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man is to be healed? You know what happened? The, the lame man acts chapter 3 is healed Acts 4 they're calling the carpet and then Dr. Luke writes then Peter filled the Holy Spirit said to them he didn't say Peter said to them he said Peter filled the Holy Spirit said to them is there a difference between Peter before and after absolutely he has a holy boldness that he'd had before how do you like those before and after pictures oh come on here, here, here you are before here you are after I don't look any better before or after. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, Acts 9, Saul of Tarsus, he's uh, persecuting churches, killing people, but Barnabas took him. Saul of Tarsus, who would be the Apostle Paul, brought him to the Apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with him at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenistic Jews, but they attempted to kill him. Let me tell you what's happening to Saul of Tarsus. Now he is a, a convert. He's a disciple. He's believing Jesus. Now he's boldly preaching Jesus in a place that's very dangerous. He, he has a transformation in his life. The fourth evidence is we become powerful and effective witnesses. We become powerful and effective witnesses. How many of you have ever witnessed and been shot down? I mean flaming shot down. Well, you need to witness more if you hadn't had that experience. I witnessed to people and people's laughed at me, mocked at me, insulted me, humiliated me, 
And guess what? They did that to Jesus and the servant's not above the master. If you're going to be effective witness to Jesus, there's going to be times you're going to be shot down. This is what I've learned. I had to learn this because anytime I'd witness and people didn't really receive or were polite or, you know, they didn't come to church or they were used, they were, they were rude and, and, and they felt like I was trying to use them. Uh, I, I've had even people that's even at the point where they wanted to fight me. How many of you have ever witnessed somebody being cussed out? A few of us. Why do people have that kind of reaction? Because... A, a, a good witness will create a reaction, right? So we will become effective witnesses when we are filled. It's an evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth of the world. So he said we would not only have the power, but we'd have the power to witness. Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Folks, we need to be witnesses to Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, he shall testify of me, talking about Jesus. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to do what? Testify about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the Savior. So we're going to be effective witnesses if we're filled by the Holy Spirit. And here's the last one, the fifth one. We begin to manifest and see the fruit of the Spirit work in our lives. We begin to manifest and see the fruit of the Spirit work in our lives. Galatians 5, and 23 tells us the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. Old King Jimmy puts it a little different. I put some uh, words in here that kind of go from one to the other. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness or faith, gentleness or meekness, self-control or temperance. Against such there is no law. Listen, when you do those things, what are you doing? You're manifesting, you're showing, you're beginning to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. Now, look at your neighbor, look at him eye to eye and say this, you're a little fruity. <laughs> Come on, cooperate. Just look at them and say, you're a little fruity. How many of you know that's a good thing? If you're a little fruity, that's a good thing. That means that you are walking, manifesting, seeing the fruit of the Spirit work in your life. Let me give you one last, uh, one last reference here of a verse that I'm going to put up on the screens. Jesus is talking about false prophets, and wolves in sheep's clothing. How many of you know everybody who says they're a prophet's not a prophet? Everybody who says they're an apostle's not an apostle. Everybody who says they're a saint ain't. Jesus actually addresses this. Matthew 7, verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Verse 20, drop down. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You know, you, you won't always know them by speaking in tongues. How many of you know some people try to replicate that or duplicate that? Or it could be counterfeit. But you can't have counterfeit money unless there's real money. You can't have a false prophet unless there's a real 
prophet. You can't have a false apostle unless there's a real apostle. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? So, Pastor, I mean, what do you do? I mean, uh, how do you, you know, operate in this? Do you realize I speak in tongues almost every service? You, you say, well, I hadn't heard you. I'm not talking to you. Now, if I talk to you in that, someone's going to have to interpret that. Because my understanding is going to be unfruitful. We'll talk about that next week. But anyway. So when I come and, and I am manifesting what I know, the Word of God says, not my opinion, what the Word of God says, then, then I know there's some evidences of the infilling and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. There's not just one. I, I've given you five right here that's scriptural. The, there, there was the evidence of tongues uh, when the day of Pentecost came. They had a holy boldness that came upon them. They, they were witnesses. They were filled with power. They, they began to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit like they never had. Do you remember Peter before? He's cutting people's ears off. A few days later, he's trying to save them. Boy, what a difference. What's the difference? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, I don't know if you knew me, B.C., you would like me. I don't know if I'd like you. But let me tell you, the Lord makes all the difference. Being filled with the Holy Spirit makes all the difference. Now, why, Pastor, are some people not even talking about this? Why, why some churches just don't, you know, deal with this? Sometimes there's been so much misuse, so many things done wrong. That's why Paul wrote the letter to, to the Corinthians about three or four times. He said in the letter, he said, so I may set you in order. Let me know there's an order. Let me know there's an order. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But yet we want to see the manifestation, the moving of the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, miracles, the, the Holy Spirit working in people's lives, infilling the Holy Spirit. We want to see that. Because I don't want a dead, dry, dull religion. But I also don't want to run people out the back door before they even understand who Jesus is. So th th there's two extremes here. There's a lady who comes sometimes on Sunday night. She sits back here from time to time and um, one Sunday night after I preached we're at the altar she came to me and with tears in her eyes she said Pastor Mike I think something's wrong with me and I said what do you mean something's wrong with you she says every time I come to church I cry she said I've never done that in any church I've ever been to and I thought I don't doubt that and she said what's wrong with me she says the music starts, I cry. They sing, I cry. You preach, I cry. What's going on with me? I said, hon, listen, you're just feeling the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, when, when you, you hear the music play and you hear the singing or the preaching, and if you weep, if you cry, if you get excited, you get emotional, that's not all just you. That's the moving of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to leave the same way I came in. I, I know you don't either. I want to really feel God at work in our lives. And I believe there's a whole world out there that wants that. 
I don't know if you know this, but attendance in churches all across the United States is dropping and dropping and dropping. People are tired of religion. They want a relationship. So God help us to have a real, vivid, vital relationship with the Lord. Amen. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.